Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Ask Dr. Jessica. I am your host, Dr. Jessica Hoffman. Today, I've got a really special episode for you guys. Uh, We're going to talk about a really common frustration I hear from parents, and that is what to do about childhood tantrums. Tantrums are a normal part of childhood, but how should we as parents handle them? In this episode, I bring back Renee Wasserman, who is an amazing child behavior consultant, and we talk all about tantrums, how to think about them, how to best respond to them, and how to prevent them from happening in the future. Also, if you know anyone who may benefit from hearing this episode, I would be so appreciative if you would share it. Okay, without further ado, Renee Wasserman. Hi, welcome to another episode of Ask Dr. Jessica. I brought back Renee Wasserman. She's not only a sleep consultant, but she's also a child behavior consultant. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me back. Cannot wait to get into this topic. Um, Myself, I can't wait to benefit from your tips uh, on the subject of children and their behavior. Um, Tell me, as a child behavior consultant, what are the most common concerns that you get from parents? Um, So I work a lot with families, with toddlers from a behavior perspective. I'd say that would be the bulk of my, the behavior piece of what I do. And so, so much of that is temper tantrums and getting kids to uh, follow, you know, do what they're supposed to do and what's the language you're supposed to use when they're not. And what's the language you use when your kids are having a temper tantrum and are we supposed to be stopping those and how do we prevent them and all of that kind of stuff. Yes. I can't wait to hear everything. Okay. So, so let's first start with, um, age. What is the, what are the ages that you hear from parents? Is there a, like, is there a younger age that you hear about tantrum starting? I would say tantrums can start for some kids. One, one and a half for sure. As they're starting to be a little more independent, you know, they realize like, oh, there's more options out there. They don't have to do exactly what's being told. They see there's other choices out there. But I find like, you know, two, two and a half and up is when we're, we're really getting there. And, and when do you find that tantrums usually end or dissipate? Is there an age that's should I tell you that too I'm old or they should be? In a... <laughs> What'd you say? I said, should I say that I have teenagers and there's, everybody has their own form of tantrums? Um, I mean, I actually really do believe that. Like, I think even as adults, we have our own way of tantruming when things aren't going our way. So I'm not sure tantrums ever really go away. But, you know, as kids get into school, I feel like they're learning how to self-regulate and be able to use other tools and strategies when things aren't going, you know, the way that they would like them to go. That's such a great point. Even as adults, we can tantrum. It just looks a little different, right? Sometimes, not (laughs) even always, you know. Right, right. Okay, so let's say um, you got a call from a family. They have a 15-month-old who's tantruming. How, what language do you use with them, or what's, what's the first advice that you may offer a family? So I would say a 15-month-old who's tantruming, we're going to do a lot of distracting and try to get them to, you know, <clears throat> oh, look at over there, look at the doggy, look at this. I think that's a reasonable strategy at 15 months. As they get yes. older, though, We don't want to be avoiding tantrums. A tantrum is really just a kid's way of saying the world's not going according to my plan or to their plan. And it's totally true. Like they're allowed to have any plan that they want in this world. Their plan is to use the green bowl or their plan is to go outside when they're not supposed to be outside or not go to sleep when they're supposed to or read three books when the rule is two books. Like that's job. Their job is to have big plans for themselves. So there's nothing wrong with that. And I love like that perspective because I think it helps parents 
normalize tantrums. Like there's no preventing tantrums. And actually our goal should not be to prevent a tantrum. A tantrum is just our kid's way of expressing themselves. And when a kid can get to the other side of a tantrum and see that mom and dad are still there standing sturdy, holding the boundary, but nobody's mad at them. It's like such a phenomenal way to start that process of, of emotionally regulating themselves, you know, and to show themselves like, oh my gosh, even like my big reaction is not too big for my mom or dad to handle. That's the goal. Interesting. Right. But when our kids say, can I have a third book? And we say, no, the rules, two books, sweetie. And he asks like 15 times and wears us down and has a huge temper tantrum about it. And then we say, because we all do this sometimes because we're human, fine, just read the book. Like we know it'll like make everything faster and smoother, which sometimes we end up doing fair enough. But the message we're sending to our kids is your response and reaction was so big that even I couldn't handle it. I couldn't like hold the line. And now you're in charge. And he's like, I don't know how to be in charge. I like to pretend I want to be in charge, but I don't really know how to be in charge. So when we kind of throw that power to our kids, we're really inviting a lot more chaos and a lot less cooperation than them knowing that somebody is in charge, sturdy, driving their, driving their car. So, so then what I gathered from you, if you could sum up your philosophy over tantrums, it's that parents need to hold a firm boundary line Firm. But still be present, but still show that, that you're that present in there. Passionate, warm. We don't want to leave our kids when they're having a tantrum, unless that's what they prefer. No need for being upset with them. No need for anything just to be present. Really, our goal or our job, I should say, when a kid is having a tantrum is to be present and to make sure our children are safe. Our job is okay. not to try to get them to stop tantruming. That's their job to okay. work through it. And we're there to support them. Okay. All right. So, so this is interesting because so that philosophy about timeouts, um, timeout, you're, you're putting your child in a you know safe place that's not around you. Does that count as being present if they know that you're just outside the door? How do you feel about timeouts? I'm not a big fan of timeouts. I'm a fan of like time in or a calming corner where we sit and like have an opportunity to like take a deep breath. And maybe there's a lot of different tools that we have there. There's fidgets or posters with different faces or stuffed animals or, you know, different things we can do in our calming corner to try to help ourselves regulate. Um, okay. A calming corner. I like that. Yeah. Okay. My feeling about a timeout is when you send your child into the room all by themselves, it's just more isolating. It's, they're rarely going to be like, oh, I never should have done whatever it was that I just did, right? They're just alone to sit in whatever these big feelings that they're having. And okay, nothing wrong with those feelings. We just want to help them learn other strategies to deal with whatever it is that's frustrating them at the moment. Okay. So, so I have to admit, I, I have put my kids in timeout. We and a lot, <laughs> and a lot of the reason why I do it is if, um, if a ch my child is tantruming, it's hard for me to listen to it. And it's a way for me to stay calm as well. You know, it helps. I, I find it helps my child calm down and it allows, um, the situation not to escalate, but maybe I'm thinking about that wrong. Well, I think it also depends on your child, right? Every kid is different and some kids might, might do better without mom or dad's presence right there. 
And I don't have an issue with it as long as it's done from like a positive perspective and not like you're sent to your room. I can't be around you. You can't be here until you figured this all out. Okay. I want to say, you know what? It seems like you do a little better when you have a little quiet time to yourself. Mommy's going to wait right here. And I'm here if you need me for those children who do better or as parents, we do better. I don't have an issue with that at all, but I think it's so much in how we're presenting it to our children. It's not even exactly like what's happening. Like they're in the room by themselves. That okay. Could be so many that could be different in so many different ways, right? Punishment so, versus definitely. So okay, so what I'm hearing is if I said to my child, um, "You're gonna have time out in your room, but I'm right outside here if you need me. It's just for you to calm down, just to give us some time, some quiet time." That might be a little bit more acceptable to you. <laughs> Trying to give my feel guilty for what I've done. Definitely do not feel guilty. First of all, sometimes we just have to survive, right? There's like, we can't be at our best all the time. We can't have like the perfect script coming out of our mouth every single moment. It doesn't work like that. We're human. Yes. Cause I always learned, they said starting at two years, you know, before two is more of a distraction technique, but at two years, the rule of two is at two. You could do two minutes of timeout at starting at two. And then every year they're older, you could add another minute. Um, but I mean, I've definitely heard that theory, yes. that timetable for sure. Yes. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of truth to that about how much a child can tolerate. I just don't find that timeouts if done the way that we traditionally think of a timeout a or punishment beneficial, right? Like yes. it's much more beneficial to take some time. I'm here. And then when they're calm, just yes. go back with them and say, Oh, you seem so frustrated before what can yes. we do next time instead of hitting or throwing a toy, whatever he you know, whatever was happening. And then lots of practice and lots of role play. Okay. I think what gets like confused in this sometimes is like when you tell parents that they think what we're saying is all behaviors are okay. It's not true. All feelings are okay. You we can't control how other people feel. Right. Our children right. feel anything. All feelings are okay. All behaviors are not. So we can stop mm. behavior, but we can't stop them from being frustrated. And if at this moment in time, their way of expressing their frustration is through a tantrum. And our goal as a parent is to work with them, not in the moment of like craziness, because they won't hear anything. Right. But once things have calmed down, you circle back and say, what can we do next time? You know, I love that. It's, it's so true because it's normal to feel sad or feel frustrated, but, but you do want to teach them that kicking, hitting, biting, kick, tantruming is not, not ideal. Right. We want to give them other strategies when they're feeling that way. Cause when you think about it, like my teenagers feel like that when they're going to go off to college, they're going to feel sad and angry and frustrated. Like I don't want to ever curb those feelings. I just want my girls to have tools, you know, and the tools change, right? As you get older, they can go for a run. They can write in a journal. They're not going to do that when they're three at three, you know, like I said, they might have a fidget. They might stomp their, their, um, their feet. They might come up to mommy and say, mommy, I'm so, so angry right now. You know, that kind of stuff. So we don't want to take feelings away. We just want to give strategies to help them regulate. Yes. Okay. So how about this? Can I walk you through a couple scenarios? Yeah, totally. Okay. So I love the bull example that you brought up earlier because this happened in our house where our kids fought for, they all wanted um, the pink bowl. And then there was a time they all wanted the elephant plate. Um, and so I remember getting frustrated and just, and just sort of hiding all the colored bowls and buying all the same colored bowls so there wouldn't be fighting over it. <laughs> um, what would have been a better, 
Like, how would you have handled that? Let's say there's fighting over a, something like a bowl. I mean, one great tantrum over it. thing on your kids' ages, you can let them help with the problem solving at a moment of calm again, not in the middle of them all wanting it because forget it, right? Yes. But you can say to them, you know what? I've got one elephant plate and three kids and we all want that elephant plate. What do you think we should do, you guys? And you can kind of be the sportscaster, you know, do you, and let us help come up with an idea. Maybe we come up with a schedule one meal a day. Every kid gets it every other day, you know, but let them kind of, you can do a visual chart like the elephant chart who gets the plate that day, but really engaging them to help problem solve. Because again, ultimately that's what we want our kids to be able to do that. They're not running to mom or teacher or dad or anybody that they are using their words to talk to their friends or peers or whatnot to work things out. I love that you're setting up, setting them up for good life lessons. That that's the goal, but it doesn't happen overnight and doesn't happen with one situation, right? It's practice. And and we always still have to remind ourselves like we're human. There are going to be days that you're just going to put the elephant plate away because you don't have the bandwidth to deal with that. And you have to give yourself some grace too. Thank you for uh, continuing to, to allay my parenting guilt. I appreciate that. (laughs) All right. So another scenario, let's say, because this has happened to me multiple times, you're out in public, uh, right? You know, I've had it where I've been on an airplane and my kids are tired and tantruming. How do you, how do you recommend parents handle that situation when they're in public? I think that's an excellent question. And I think sometimes when you're, or often I would say when you're in public, sometimes you're just in survival mode and you have yes. these distractions, whether it's, you know, the quick phone use or some food or art or whatever it is, you know, that's not like the best strategy to be doing. But when you're at the doctor's office, you're at the airport, we don't have time for this. We're like, maybe it's a safety issue. We got to get our luggage. Right. Just their vaccines. I've had that here. (laughs) Tantrums. Just have to do what you have to do and give yourself permission for that. Okay. Want that to be the norm. You don't want to be, you don't want our, we don't want our kids reactions to be dictating our parenting decisions as a whole. Okay. I like how you said that situations. Of course, we're going to do what we need to do. Okay. And then in terms of, uh, uh, how a parent should react when their kid is having a tantrum, do you find that ever being stern or yelling? Um, is that ever a good option or a helpful option? Yeah, I don't, I don't believe it is. Again, we're human. It happens to the best of us. Sometimes we just don't have patience that moment and we lose Yes, We can go back and repair with our kids later, but the ideal situation, no, because they're not doing anything wrong. They're just like the world's not going according to their plan right now. And they're very upset about it. Now their plan could be like, you know, their popsicle melted or right. It could be a big deal. It could be a ridiculous thing that nobody could even help them out with. Anyhow, it doesn't really matter. And they just, right. They need to know that their parents or their caregivers are on their team. That being on their team doesn't mean giving in and then saying, okay, you can have that third book if our rule is two, or you can have the cookie before dinner if our rule is no cookies before dinner. But we can be there to support them as they like move through. So as a parent, okay, so as a parent, let's say the rule is no dessert tonight and there's a tantrum. Um, how would you play that out with your child? They have a really big tantrum. They really want that dessert. What would, what would that look like on, on the parenting end? I would validate. I would say, I know you really, really want that cookie tonight. You know what, sweetie, we're going to have cookies tomorrow. You can have fruit if that's what you're offering, only if you are. Um, and if you don't want it, that's okay too, sweetie. Mommy's right here. And then let them go through their tamper and that's fine. You know, 
But what you I don't love that. is like give in and give the cookie if that was the rule, because then the message we're sending is up. Oh, guess what? If you cry hard enough and long enough, mom's going to give in. Right. All right. So then to reiterate, the technique you would use would be to validate their feelings, acknowledge their feelings, but then as a parent, stick to the original setup plan. Exactly. Okay. I, I love that. Say with tamper tantrums too, be aware if your kids are hungry and tired. Because those often are huge setups for our kids to like, just have a harder time dealing with whatever to our toddlers are dealing with. I agree with that. So many times when my kids are tantruming, I can, I almost blame myself if I got them to bed too late or they're off their regular routine. Yeah. There's a good explanation for it. Right. And then it's true. It's not like it's our fault or anything of the sort, but then we're not really setting them up for as much success as possible. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, and then what about, what about things like rewards? Do you have any suggestions for, um, or do you recommend like reward charts or sticker charts? Do you think that technique is ever helpful? Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of reward charts. It's probably not super surprising. I, I really want our kids to, I mean, I get this question a lot for toddlers and sleep. If you stay in your bed, you get a sticker. If you get five stickers, you get to go buy your toy, which is amazing for our kids, right? They usually lose interest after about one, like, charts were <laughs> right. And it's like not enough incentive. Like, okay, I get a toy, but I could go and see my mom three times a night. I'd rather go see my mom three times a night, you know? Right. Right. Uh, and I think for, as a parent too, it's hard to stay consistent. Like, you know, the pom-pom jars, did you put them in? Did you put the sticker on? Like you forget. And I think it's hard, Right. but more yeah, when we've had reward charts, it probably lasts at most three nights and then we we'll forget about it. Yeah. Exactly. But more importantly is that we want to teach our kids to make changes for the right reason. Like I don't want my little one to stay in her bed all night because she gets six stickers and then that gets her a toy. I want her to stay in bed because these are the house rules. When everybody sleeps in their own beds, everybody has energy. The next day when we have energy, oh my gosh, we get to go to the park. When we don't have energy, ugh, look at mommy's face. I'm so tired. I just don't have the energy right. to go to the park today. It's not a punishment. And it's not a reward to go to the park. It's really a connection. Like, wow, we all slept. Our bodies feel so good and healthy today. Absolutely. With all of this energy. I mean, that's real, right? Right. Um, and I always tell parents, when you're tired, you don't have to lie. I'm like, look at my face. I'm tired. You can see it, you know? <laughs> so I really do stay away from um, rewards. I just like them to be very logical. Like not going to the park is logical if I'm tired. Right. A logical consequence for the behavior. Exactly. Okay. And what about taking things away from kids? You know, punishment. If you have it, if you tantrum this much longer, I'm taking this away from you. I'm taking away your favorite treat the next day. I hear a lot of parents uh, use that method. Do you have any thoughts about? I mean, punishment I'm not a with fan of that at all. Again, I would stick with logical consequences. When you step back and look, again, we're all human, and we all do that just like on occasion. So, you know, be patient with yourselves. However, if you think about it, like you don't get your favorite treat because you had a tantrum. Like the two literally have nothing to do right. with each other at all. Right. And you want your consequence to, to make sense. So sometimes you can word it. I don't like to tie food to anything. I don't want kids to think of food as a reward. Like you eat because your body eats. And that's like a whole nother conversation of like desserts and should that be on a pedestal or should it just be part of your meal? And who makes that choice? You know, who decides how that much is such food? a great point. I feel like everybody takes dessert away as the punishment, but right. we shouldn't do that. Three out there of just giving dessert with your meal. 
like literally right. on your thing, hello, have your small cookie Welcome with your broccoli, with your pasta, with your Jessica. chicken. I am your host, right. Dr. It takes the oomph out of it. Then Today I've got a really special It is on a pedestal, I feel like. Uh, you're, we're going to talk about right. really common totally, frustration totally. I hear from parents. Yeah. So, um, what to do about childhood tantrums. Sometimes we can tantrums word things so like TV is always a great one to take away, right? People love their TV. So you could say to a kid, you know what, sweetie, it seems like when you watch TV after school, it's making it really, really hard for your body to stay in bed and follow the sleep also, rules you know so until your body can stay in bed follow the sleep so rules sleep all night in your bed we're just not gonna be okay, able to watch tv ado, but as soon as your body's doing that wow we can watch tv again so in essence we're taking tv away but it makes total sense right oh it's it's a logical consequence not helping us out here yeah exactly right i think that's a perfect way to think about it sometimes i think parents will tell me they can't find the logical consequence that there's nothing that they can motivate their child to stop the tantrum or that they, uh, they can't find a logical consequence connection. Um, but I, I think there's, if you think long and hard enough about it, there's often something you can, you can right. pull together. There often is, but the other piece of that is there doesn't have to be a consequence for everything and mm. consequences for a tantrum. I don't really think there should be a consequence for a tantrum. Like that's just our little one figuring it out. And the more tantrums they have and they realize that mom and dad are holding that boundary for them, they yes. are safe. Yes. They get it to the other side of that tantrum and everything's okay. Nobody's angry at them and the boundary was held. Yes. Those over time will start to diminish. They weren't abandoned. Their parents are still there, still <laughs> present. They still love them. And you still don't get that cookie. Do you know what I mean? You see, right. All, so, right. It's okay to have those feelings. Totally. Your parents still love you. They're still there for you. But right, you still, but the still aren't going to get what you want. I love that. Um, okay. Now, what about something I personally struggle with having kids that share a room? Um, I've had scenarios where one of my children is tantruming and it's affecting the other child and how they sleep. How would you approach it when, you know, you don't want to give so much attention to the child that's doing what you don't want? Do you have any strategies for tantruming kids that are affecting the siblings? I think it's hard. I mean, it's definitely hard. I think um, it depends depends on the age of the kids, too. So if the, the non-tantruming sibling is old enough, you can really talk to them about it and just say, oh, your little brother's having a really hard time. He really wanted that cookie before dinner. He's okay. Mommy's going to be right here with him, and he's really safe. Sometimes the crying makes them nervous, like, something, like their, their sibling's not safe or mommy's here, he's safe. And you read your book or put your pillow over your ears or like give them like tangible things that they can do. Yes. I think talking kids through things honestly is the, the best part. It's when kids feel alone and whatever that feeling is that that's like very scary to them, but we're all going to have feelings, right? We're all yes. anxious. Like we don't have to be anxious people, but we all have some feelings of anxiety on it here and there, right? We're all yes. feel scared sometimes. And so I just think helping our kids be okay, not being okay is like one of the things I talk to parents a lot about, and that should really be our ultimate goal. And it's not something that happens overnight um, and it's a process, but it's okay not to feel okay. Mommy's here. I'm safe. Even if I'm not in the room with you, I protect the whole house or, you know, whatever the language we're using. It's so nice. I love it. Um, I often find with my kids tantrum that the most uh, connected we are, the most progress we make is when the tantrum's over 
and then we can have a really nice conversation about what happened and and what we can do next time and why that might have happened. So, because I feel like in the moment when they're tantruming, it's really hard to to connect. It, it's it's more than really hard. It's like literally impossible. They're, they just can't. They're not even there. They're not able to. Okay. So more just you're there for them. You can hug them. You're present, but not expect to have a conversation. A hundred percent. Okay. The more connected kids feel in general, the less I think they're going to be tantrum. The more kids feel heard, even if they're not getting what they want, the connection is huge. And, and what do you tell parents what they can expect? So if you do this methodology of hearing their feelings, you're present, but keeping that firm boundary, when should parents start to see progress with a, with a child that tends to tantrum? I think that's a really probably almost impossible question to answer because I think every child is just different. Look, some kids are more sensitive. Some kids are going to tantrum until they go off to kindergarten. Some kids aren't. Some kids never tantrum, right? Right. I think it's just everybody has their innate personality and characteristics a little bit. And the goal really is not to necessarily get them to a point of not tantruming. It's really to work towards giving them other tools when they're, I guess the goal is not to get them not to be upset. It's just ultimately get them to get, have other tools to pull on to use as they continue to get older. I think that sums it up very nicely. Um, Do you, do you have any resources that you recommend for families if, they, if there's a book they want to read or, or a website or is there anything that you would recommend? I mean, there's so many great um, like behavior books out there. Barbara Coloroso is one of my most favorite. I, I should have gotten the title exactly. I think her one of her books is called There's No Bad Kids and it's just really looking everything from a positive yes. perspective. And also The Whole Brain Child, I think it's called, by Dan Siegel, I'm almost positive, is the correct author, is also a phenomenal book. And there's a thousand in between, you know. That's awesome. Thank you so much. This is so helpful. Good. Um, it's so frustrating for parents when their children are tantruming. They don't, I think a lot of parents just don't know what to do. They don't have a strategy. So this is really great. I think if you have the scripting and you have a sense of our role during a tantrum, our parents' role and our kids' role... It just, it helps normalize it. Then it's okay. We're, everybody's okay with it. Nobody has to be embarrassed. Nobody has to feel like they have to quickly stop them. Yes. They're just, they're expressing themselves and we're going to be strong and hold that boundary for them. Thank you so much. And a- any last thoughts or any last tips to offer parents before, before we close? I just think celebrate your kids. Every child is different. You know, the one who tantrums more now might not have those challenges down the road and vice versa. So I think sometimes nobody wants, you know, they don't like to put their laundry out, but we're all going through the same sorts of thing. And the more we can support one another as parents, the better off we all are. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Renee. It's really been a pleasure. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Talk to you soon. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Ask Dr. Jessica. I am your host, Dr. Jessica Hockman. Today, I've got a really special episode for you guys. Uh, We're going to talk about a really common frustration I hear from parents, and that is what to do about childhood tantrums. Tantrums are a normal part of childhood, but how should we as parents handle them? 
In this episode, I bring back Renee Wasserman, who is an amazing child behavior consultant, and we talk all about tantrums, how to think about them, how to best respond to them, and how to prevent them from happening in the future. Also, if you know anyone who may benefit from hearing this episode, I would be so appreciative if you would share it. Okay, without further ado, Renee Wasserman. <laughs> 